The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It's Wednesday, June 24th. Uh, we're rolling right along on our All-32 series. Uh, we're going we're gonna to try and hit all 32 teams in the NFL. It feels like we might actually get it done, which is impressive since we don't uh, do many things all the way on this podcast. Uh, but to... Uh, to uh, to knock out one of the AFC West teams, my my ex girlfriend team, the uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, joined now by Daniel Popper, the Athletic at Daniel R Popper on Twitter. Daniel, thanks for joining us, man. Of course, I, I noticed that you made almost made the cardinal sin of calling them the San Diego Chargers, and we would have had to restart I, the podcast over. I, I did. Uh, <laughs> there's a hundred percent chance that when we do the Raiders, which I don't think we've done or maybe we don't have a, if we did if I was doing the Raiders, I'd call them the Oakland Raiders. Like like I'm I'm still. The San Diego thing is still getting me, even like f- three years in, four years in. Yeah. It's not just you. I mean, it's the referees too. It happens yeah. pretty much every game. You'll get a, you know, false start, number seventy-five, San Diego, San Diego Chargers. Yeah, Everyone in the, and there's an audible groan from the press box every time. Like, ah, how hard is this? Like, well, we're in well, Los Angeles right now. Like, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it's like, look around you at the empty yeah. tiny stadium what, here. What hotel are you staying in? Like, come on. Yeah, that's a good point. I will say that I think that this year may be the final turning point for calling them the Los Angeles Chargers because my guy, Philip Rivers, no longer in the building. Um, you, uh, you know, you've, you've been one of the Chargers beat for, was it, was last year your first year on the Chargers beat? Yeah. It's- Pretty much a year, yeah. I started training yeah. camp last season. So, I mean, it's it's a totally different team, right? Like a different organization. I mean, I know the same city now, but it does feel like maybe the Rivers thing is the final, like, like final transition to L.A. Because he never bought in. I mean, he was he was yeah, no, he was, he was a San Diego guy. Yeah, no, and, and that was an issue internally. You know, they wanted him to be the face of the franchise. They wanted him to do these community events in Los Angeles. They wanted him to be present in the community, and he just never bought in. Uh, you know, he would make speeches in San Diego and would never make speeches in Los Angeles. And the team is obviously really ready to, to make this transition. It's, it's coming from the top down. Ownership really wants this thing to work. Um, and so you're going to start to see them sort of shift to, you know, some new faces. You know, a guy they love to bring out and show to the community is Derwin James. You know, he's gregarious. He's, he's outgoing. He's, he's a very interesting dude. Not, not to mention one of the best defensive players in football. Yeah. Um, and then you have a, a rookie quarterback now, and they're going to market him big time 
throughout Los Angeles. And he sort of has that, you know, West Coast Cali vibe, obviously a Pac-12 yeah. guy from Oregon. He was a Chargers fan growing up. He's got those flowing golden locks. You know, he has that kind of California vibe that they're looking for and they're kind of trying to rebrand. But, you know, the thing that <clears throat> general manager Tom Telesco keeps saying over and over again, I don't know if he's doing this on purpose, but he keeps calling it sort of a new era of Chargers football. And it doesn't really matter which way you cut it. It's a new era. They've got a new quarterback. They're going to have a new offense. They're going to be playing in a brand new stadium. And you're exactly right. It seems like Philip Rivers throws that, that last straw, that last connection to San Diego. And now they can really begin this transition in earnest in, in a huge market where it's going to be really hard to make a dent. And no one's really sure if they're going to be able to make a dent until, you know, five, maybe 10 years down the road. Okay, so I have lots of questions stemming from that, but let's start with the offensive side on before we do offense and then break and then do defense. Um, Her, Justin Herbert drafted six overall. Uh, were you surprised? I mean, I know that it was, there were a lot of connections that were made leading up to the draft. I thought there was smoke screening with their depth chart. Like, all right, we're going to have Tyrod Taylor and, and, uh, Easton stick on here and convince everybody. Like, so everybody thinks we're taking a quarterback, but then we're going to pump fake him and take like a, a stud defensive player. They didn't do it. I mean, they took the quarterback. You, you felt all along that was the guy they were going to take. Yeah. I did four mock drafts and every single one of them, I had Herbert going to them at six. Um, you know, ultimately, like, in the NFL media specifically, we do a lot of overthinking, especially in the lead up to the draft, because we have nothing to talk about for two months. And we just speculate and speculate and speculate and, and talk ourselves and think ourselves in the circles. It's like, well, what, what if this happens? What if that happens? The right, like you said, the writing was always on the wall. Like they were never, they're never going into this season with Tyra, with decent stake as their backup quarterbacks. So they were, it was, it was tailor made for them to go draft a pun, quarterback. Pun intended? I don't even know what, what pun did I Taylor, make? tailor made? Oh, there you go. Well, yeah. it's spelled differently, so, but yeah, I guess, oh, I guess true, we can count that. <laughs> I guess we could count that as a pun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was always, it was always going to be a, a quarterback at six. It was just a question of which quarterback was going to be there. And I think Tom Telesco, as the general manager and head decision maker, would have been fine with either guy. Um, they, they, he said that they had, you know, checked two out on his medicals and they were fine with, with where he was at. Um, but they also loved Herbert and, and he does a lot of the things that Anthony Lynn is trying to do. And it's sort of this weird dynamic where, you know, Anthony Lynn, like the offense he wants to run is like what, you know, what the Ravens are running in Baltimore. He worked with Greg Roman in, in Buffalo in 2015, 2016 before Greg Roman got fired. And then Anthony Lynn took over as offensive coordinator and had that meteoric rise where he, you know, then became, uh, you know, interim head coach after Rex Ryan got, Rex Ryan got fired and then he became the Chargers head coach. But he, he wants a lot of quarterback movement. He wants bootlegs. He wants zone reads. He wants to, you know, the RPOs. He wants to incorporate a lot of that modern, you know, offensive schematic stuff that that's sort of sweeping the league right now. And so, but Philip Rivers obviously couldn't do that. <laughs> no, no, he no. can't. Any right? Any good coach is going to, you know, mold his offense, defense, his scheme around with the players he has. So Ed Lynn comes in in 2017. He's got a, you know, arguably a future Hall of Fame quarterback, you know, under center. And so you're going to create your offense in that image. You're going to create your offense around Philip Rivers and see if it works. Uh, but they sort of had this opportunity here where he's on the final year of his deal. We're not going to extend him in the offseason leading up to it. And we'll see how he plays. And we'll give him a shot to win a Super Bowl with a really good roster. It didn't work out primarily because of injuries, but also because Philip Rivers didn't live up to standards. And now they had this perfect transition where they had Tyrod Taylor under contract on like a really cheap deal for a starting quarterback. His cap hits like $7.5 million this season. Uh, and they end up with a really high pick. And it sort of all worked out to the point where now you can sort of shift this entire thing forward and have a guy in Justin Herbert who think – can be the quarterback of the future. Okay, so I'm curious what you think about what they will do. And I, 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 I think the RPO stuff and the quarterback movement thing is really interesting because, in my opinion, and I, I don't know where Anthony Lynn stands in terms of his 
the warmth of his seat because he did only win five games last year. They haven't been great. It does feel like like Tom Telesco and that organization loves him in, in part, oh my part God, yeah. because of who he is as a person, even off the field. But it felt like a little bit like he was going all he, – he, I feel – this is my, my theory, that he has told the Chargers, give me 16 games with Tyrod Taylor. I'm telling you I can win a Super Bowl with 16 games with Tyrod Taylor. He's all in, right? Is that, is that fair to say? That's the pitch. I mean, that, that has to be the pitch because there's no way you can go into the season with Taylor as your starting quarterback unless you think he can win a Super Bowl. I don't think he can win a Super Bowl, right. but Anthony Lynn certainly does. And he spent a lot more time with Taylor than I have. He won with the guy in Buffalo in 2016. They put together a solid season um, with, with Anthony Lynn calling plays and we're doing a lot of that stuff. And, you know, it really came down to one thing over everything else. And it was that Anthony Lynn's, the, the pillar of his coaching philosophy is, don't turn the ball over and force turnovers. And you're going to win a lot of games in the NFL. It's really simple, but it's true. You look at, you can pretty much align the turnover differential with the standings in the NFL every season. I mean, obviously there'll be a few outliers, but that's pretty much what it comes down to. And Philip Rivers, as great as he was at so many things, you can, never you can going... disparage. You can disparage Philip Rivers. On no, because I, I won't get upset. I won't get upset. No, well, I have to qualify it because now he's playing behind the best offensive line in football, and yeah. it's probably going to be a lot better than he was last season. Like I think he has some good football left in him, but he, he needs the right setting at this age. I, ironically, um, also, I think. Ironically, I think he needs the offense that Anthony Lynn wants to run in terms of being run heavy. And limiting right. turnovers. And I think he'll do that in, yeah. in Indianapolis, but that's a different story. Right. But you, but you need to factor in that, like you you run heavy and then you have a lot of play action. And right. Philip Rivers was never going to be a great play action quarterback. He just doesn't move that well. Yeah. But it, you know, the things he does well, he does as well as anyone in the history of football is anticipation and just like his moxie. I know it's an overused word, but like, you know, just his, his, his competitiveness, how tenacious he is on the field in terms of just like wanting to do everything to win. But that is also his downfall. Because he's going to force the ball into tight windows every single time, and he's not going to apologize for it, ever. (laughs) He's going to walk off the field and be like, that was me doing everything I could. I'm always going to do everything I can for my teammates, and if that means throwing an interception on 4th and 18 when I'm down 7 points trying to win a game, then that's what it is. But that mentality is just like a gridlock with what Anthony Lynn wants. Mm. Anthony Lynn wants Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor, listen to this, okay? This is the stat I throw out every interview I do. He is – the second best quarterback in the history of football at not throwing interceptions of all quarterbacks with a thousand or more passing attempts in their career. He is second in the league behind Aaron Rodgers. Wow. Actually, I, I saw, I see your face now. You wanted a trivia. Question I wanted, I, that, but. I wanted to guess. I wanted to guess. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to know. I, so, yeah. Rodgers, Rodgers, Rodgers would have been a, up there, I think just cause he doesn't, yeah. he just doesn't throw picks. But yeah, I mean yeah. like, so, so that's what we can, all right. So, this is this is not a fantasy football podcast, but I am curious about this because I, I think there's a lot of value in some of the Chargers guys, at wide receiver, Hunter Henry at tight end. But I'm wondering, like, do you think this will be a high volume passing attack? Because I mean, they, they he didn't throw many, he didn't have any pass attempts in Buffalo. Yeah. So that the one guy I bring up when I think about sort of fantasy and who's going to be most effective in terms of their production is Keenan Allen. Yeah. And I I had a conversation with Keenan Allen in the locker room after that loss at the Chiefs in Week 17, and he was like, I haven't even thought about Philip Rivers leaving because I can't even I don't even want to imagine that reality because he and I are so in sync. And he told me that the touchdown catch that he caught in that game was completely off script. Philip looked out to him. And Keenan looked back. They both saw the, the the cornerback was playing inside leverage. So instead of running a post, he ran a, an out route. He ran to the corner and was wide open and scored a touchdown. It was completely off script. And they wow. didn't even communicate. It wasn't like a hand signal or anything. It was eye contact. Wow. And so that Keenan Allen has developed into one of the best receivers in football because 
of that connection with Philip Rivers. Those little slants, those out routes, those quick breaking routes where it's all about timing and anticipation and chemistry. Does he have that with Tyra Taylor? And more importantly, is Tyra Taylor capable of, ma- of making those throws and also willing to make those throws? Because a lot of those throws are tight windows. And you've got to be willing to risk an interception to make those completions on third and three and third and four. And Taylor's not going to do that. He's going to take a sack. He's going to throw the ball away. And he's going to live to fight another day because that's ultimately what Anthony Lynn wants. It could be a recipe for success, though. And I know we're going to get into the defense eventually. But, like, I think this could be – I think this is definitely, if everyone stays healthy, a top five defense in the league. I think it might be the best defense in football if everyone stays healthy, the amount of talent that they have on this roster. Number one defense in football? Are they the number one defense in football? We'll tell you after the break. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. All right, so Daniel Popper made a bold claim about the Chargers defense, top five team, potentially the number one team. And you know what? I'm not even going to disagree because we talked about Tom Telesco being a good GM. Well, he went out and he gets Linville Joseph to plug up the middle of the line. So now they have depth there with Justin, my man, Justin Jones and, uh, and Jerry Tillery, the, the two the first round pick from last year. Um, they obviously have the pass rush with Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. They desperately needed linebacker help and they have for a couple of years and they got it in yep. Kenneth Murray, who they trade, they paid a lot and traded back up to get him, I think with the Patriots, right? Um, yep. and, uh, and then, <laughs> I mean, we don't have enough talent in the secondary. Let's add Chris Harris. I mean, it's, it's, right. it's they're loaded at almost every position. Yeah, and so it's it's so interesting to see them build this defense because I was like going into free agency, I'm like outside corner is what they have to target. That's right. like got to be your number one priority if you're going to go out and and get a cornerback, get a defensive player. It has to be outside corner because that's where they're lacking in depth and talent. And then they get Chris Harris, who made his all pro and made his name in the league as a slot corner. And then last year switched outside and was like not even close to the same player. He was like a pretty average middle and right. corner. Whereas on the inside, he's like one of the best in football. And then everyone's been kind of throwing smoke screens out between the, Gus Bradley, defensive coordinator, Tom Telesco, Anthony Lynn, Chris Harris himself, everybody is like, well, you know, I'm learning both positions. No one knows exactly where I'm going to play. Hmm. And it, the, the peculiar part of it was they have Desmond King, who has also made an all pro as a slot corner, but had a down year. You know, I was effectively suspended for a game for a violation of team rules. And so kind of had fell out of the graces with the coaching staff. So now they're bringing in Chris Harris and I fully expect him to play in the slot. Um, but it, like when you bring in a guy like that, the goal is to somehow stop the Kansas City Chiefs. That's the goal. That's mm-hmm. what they're doing. That's how, how they're building this. So the more talent and, vers- and versatility you have in the, in the secondary, the easier it is. The two things you need when you're playing the Chiefs, you need speed on defense and you got to be able to tackle in space. Those yeah. are the two things you need to do. And if you have six defensive backs who can play pretty much every position in the secondary and they all can tackle in space and they are all fast, that gives you a much better shot to beat the Chiefs, and that's ultimately what the Chris Harris signing came down to. Um, but it's going to make them—it's going to make them so multiple. They can do so many different things. I mean, they can play Desmond King at slot corner. They can play him outside. They can play him at free safety. They can play him at strong safety. And so you're going to have packages where you know Duran James might be in strong safety. And you can line Duran James up at outside linebacker, right? Like, but you can line him up at like defensive end, honestly, and he would right, get exactly ten sacks. But he might be playing a different position in base than he's playing in nickel than he's playing in dime. That's how versatile they are. He could be playing strong safety in base. He'd be playing, you know, nickel back in, in, in nickel. And then he could be playing, you know, dime backer 
and just like be playing all these different positions just because he's so versatile. And you could say that for a number of guys. You know, Rayshon Jenkins is another guy who used to be a nickel corner for them and then broke out last season as a free safety, but might be playing dimebacker for them in dime this year so they can get Nasir Adderley on the field, their second-round pick last year, who's another guy that can play corner and safety. So hmm. the more you sort of peel these layers away to Chris Harris signing, you realize it's all about being as versatile and, and being more unpredictable than they've been in the past. Do you think we'll be seeing more blitzing and more? Oh, yeah. Okay. I think that you'll see a lot. I mean, Gus Bradley has consistently been among the least blitzing teams and defenses in the league every single year. I mean, you can go back to his Jacksonville days, and it's like he's well below league average every year, yeah. pretty much like in the bottom three and in last place in like three of the last five years. He just doesn't blitz. You know, but the idea is if you, you know, it's the opposite of what like a Todd Bowles, you know, defense is, which is like throw as many exotic blitzes as the opposing team as possible and hope that creates confusion and you get some, you know, some turnovers. Uh, it's going to be different this year because Anthony Lynn like was looking at it and like I go back to it, it all comes back to forcing turnovers, limiting turnovers. That's every, every personnel decision you look at is, is factored into that. They need to force more turnovers on, on defense. So they go out and they get guys who they feel like they can make that happen between Kenneth Murray and, and Chris Harris. And they want to limit turnovers on offense, so they get rid of Phillip Rivers and they bring in one of the one of the guys who's the best at limiting interceptions in the history of football. And that's what it comes down to. Yeah, Chargers finished 21st in uh, DVOA on defense last year after being eighth the year before. I, I like I don't want to chalk it up straight to injuries, but I mean Derwin James going down is was a huge factor. I mean that defense changed the second he he got hurt. Yeah, so 100. percent It's hard not to point to that, you know, like. It, it, sometimes it is really simple. You have like a guy who is in his second season going to be vying for defensive player of the year and you lose him for the whole season. Yeah. And then the, the one, but I would argue that the injury that was just as, as consequential was the backup strong safety, Adrian Phillips, who's oh, also yeah. a dime yeah. backer and is like a big, big time leader in that locker room, very well respected guy and like a really solid defensive player. He got injured in week two. So they were on their third string strong safety for more than half the season. And it was a, a, a player, Roger Teamer, who was an undrafted free agent. Uh, in a defense where you're asking guys to, like, st- like cover on the back end and you just – Right, right. And, like, you know, you spend the whole offseason building your defense around one player and Derwin James and yeah. expecting him to do all these things and cover running backs in the flats and blitz and, you know, like you said, linebacker and defensive end, all these different places. And all of a sudden he's gone. And then the guy who can do maybe 75% of that that you have as his backup is gone. And now you have an undrafted rookie who can do maybe – 20 to 30% of that on the field and everything sort of falls apart, but they weren't like atrocious on defense. They just couldn't get off the field on third down. And that's what it really came down to for that group. Uh, yeah. And Bosa and Melvin Ingram, 18 and a half sacks is, is, is good, but not, not elite, not what, not what you're expecting out of them. And I think you'll see more sacks from them this year if they blitz a ton. Uh, okay. So what is a, uh, what's a good season for the Los Angeles chargers? Like what, or like maybe what's a, what's a, I, I think they have a high floor and, and maybe a high, I don't, I don't know if Tyron Taylor gives him a high ceiling. I know he gives him a high floor. Yeah. I don't know what they're trying to do. It feels like se- anything less than seven wins is an unmitigated disaster. Yeah. And it, going back to what you were saying earlier, like it's as long as they avoid disaster, then they can sort of point to 2021 and be like, okay, we got our quarterback in year two. This is sort of when it all comes together for every quarterback, whether you know, in recent history, whether you look at Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, like it all comes kind of comes together right. in year two. And that's when you can go try and really vie for, for a Super Bowl. And so as long as it's not like, you know, five and 11, even six and 10, I feel like they keep their jobs. Um, but like you said, it's, it's a high floor. You have a, as long as everyone stays healthy on defense, you're going to be in every game because that defense is not going to give a lot of points. It's just, right. There's just too much talent and it's not going to be a very exciting brand of football. You know, the offense is going to be, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a, a lot of three and outs. 
but it's going to be it's going to be a lot pretty much no turnovers you know that's going to be mm-hmm. the goal of the, of the offense you know let the defense win football games and they have a quarterback in Tyra Taylor who who can do that and if they can execute all that be a really really good defense and limit turnovers and just be game managers on offense then you know I think you're looking at you know eight and eight nine and seven if it, everything clicks and goes perfectly then you're probably looking at 10 and six but I would say you know as long as they're around 500 then everyone can sort of point to it like okay it's 2021, and that's the make or break year. So this isn't necessarily. Would, so this isn't. Sorry, to interrupt you, but it's like it's no, not like all. It's not like an all-in year. Then I guess maybe I sort of feel like it is, but maybe it's not. I don't know. It, well, I mean, they're only one year removed from making it to the divisional round and and in, in in the in the playoffs, and like they're, they're a really good team, and like they're they had an outstanding defense, and everyone's like everyone was looking at this team last year as like, hey, this could be the like your quiet Super Bowl. Every, defender, everybody you know? picked it to beat the freaking Patriots two years ago, like anyway. right. Yeah. Right, but but I mean, it's it seems like an excuse, but you look at the injuries, and they were just brutal. You had a weak offensive line to begin with, especially in pass protection. You lose the anchor of that offensive line, Mike Pouncey, in Week Five. Russell Okun played; he didn't play a full game last year because he got right. injured in the Bears game, and then he, they took him out of the Jacks the Jags game because it was a blowout. So you lose your starting left tackle, former Pro Bowl left tackle. You lose your starting center, and all of a sudden you you've got really nothing on the offensive line. Philip Rivers loses any confidence in that offensive line and his deterioration gets exasperated as a result. And then you lose Derwin James yeah. on defense and Adrian Phillips. So you have a, a rookie and Roger team on the field. And it's like, you chalk that all up and it's, and they still were like, they had like a within negative 10, maybe negative eight, negative seven point differential. At one point they were like, they were like four and nine and had a positive point differential, something like that. You know, very, like very they were, of them. Yeah. right. They were pretty much in every game. They lost like, you know, 10 games by less than seven points. And, you know, so you look at that, you're like, okay, if we stay healthy and we can limit the turnovers and just keep ourselves in games and not shoot ourselves in the foot, there's a clear path to being a much better team. And I I subscribe to that right now because it just, you know, having watched this team last year, like they were a lot closer than the record shows. They lost nine games by one score. That's great. Yeah, it was insane. But I mean, it was like, it was like, you know, Groundhog Day. You get there. You're sitting there in the fourth quarter. Philip Rivers has the ball with three and a half minutes left. They're down like five, like seven points, and he throws an interception. And it's like, again, here we every go again. Minute. And it happened like – it wasn't like, you know, three or four weeks. It was every damn week. Yeah, you know? yeah, and so yeah. you're like, you know, if you can just not throw the interceptions, you got a, a shot to win these games. Let the defense close it out. Yeah. All right. All right, maybe, exactly. maybe, maybe I can tell myself back into the Chargers. This yeah. division, but it was unlucky. Out. It was unlucky though because they did. There was a game against the Raiders on Thursday night in Oakland where they had the defense in the field trying to win, and then Josh Jacobs ran like an 18-yard touchdown with a minute left. So That's it was right. just like everything went wrong. It was Murphy's law. Two and nine in one-score games, and your point and your uh, your expected win loss is eight, and you come out five wins. I mean, this is a team that in theory should have a bounce back here. All right, that this. Great. Thanks a lot, Daniel. Like, I needed to get back on the Chargers bandwagon. I moved on in my life to the Colts, and now it got me kind of excited about the idea of the Chargers. But uh, it was a fun talk either way, buddy. I uh, appreciate you taking the time, and uh, let's do it again soon, man. Sounds good. Anytime. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 